Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's uh, a little bit after 5 o'clock. February 5th, 2020. You know, when I started doing this show, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, I had high hopes that we would have ended Prohibition by now. Everybody was talking the big talk and talking about legalization and talking about all the great laws we're going to pass and Colorado is doing such amazing things, and Washington, and California, and Michigan, and all these great places. And I thought, hells, bells, by 2020, we'd be talking about, I don't know, ending child slavery or something like that. But, no. No, we're not. We're still talking about ending cannabis prohibition. We're still talking about victims of the drug war. We're still talking about finishing the job that we started oh so very long ago. And we're still talking about what does it take to stand up and fight. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I'll introduce myself. My name is Joe Grumbine. And uh, I've been standing here on the front lines for a minute or two now. I got caught up in a legal case back in 2008. So that's a few minutes ago. Uh, Beat my first case. It was a state case at a dispensary, a collective as operating under California laws allowed. Went through for about almost a year. Finally... Again, this is a super uber reader's digest version, but uh, my case was dismissed prior to trial, and the judge had issued an order that declared I had been found compliant of all California laws that that were uh, pertinent to the case, and that I was to be issued a return of all my property, and all the money that was seized, and everything that was seized. Well... I don't know, several months later after having to threaten to sue the county of Riverside at the time, uh, I went back and finally did pick up my property. The money, they said, well, we turned that over to the feds, and you can just go ahead and get it from them if you like. However, we all know that federal law doesn't have any allowances for anything, regardless of what anybody might think. What Ogden memo, Cole memo, this fucking memo, that memo, there's not laws. And the federal government still goes by the federal law. And the federal law, as applies to these cases, is the Controlled Substances Act. And what that Controlled Substances Act said is, no, you cannot have it. Can't have any of it. Can't have one plant, one seed, one joint, one medicinal, recreational, anything. No, can't have it. Breaking federal law. So I wasn't going to go down that rabbit hole, and I said, go ahead, and you can just keep that money. I'll go make some more. I went back to work and had that piece of paper that declared me compliant of all state laws and felt that the only thing I had to worry about at that time would be the feds. And I was a small little shop, not bothering anybody, minding my own business. I didn't really think the feds would be all that interested in me, and so I continued on. Less than a year later, I was raided and uh, began a six-year nightmare 
well, five more years, I guess. Ultimately, I beat this case, and I learned about court support. I learned how to rally the troops. I learned how to be effective. And I learned lots of stuff that didn't work. Lots of stuff that didn't work. So we're going to talk about that today. Here in California, a couple of years back, we passed a law that basically undid our medical law that we had passed over 20 years ago. And everybody's like, woo, it's legal. But what nobody seemed to understand, there was a few people that were screaming from the rooftops, it's not what you think, it's a Trojan horse, it's, you're going to be screwed. But, no, we passed it. And it, it began to be implemented. And finally, a couple of years later, some of some licensed dispensaries actually exist. But what happened was everything else is a criminal enterprise. Oh, yes. I have a, uh, a Google alert set on my computer, and one of the uh, searches is illegal cannabis, and the other one is simply raid. And every single day, news stories about illegal cannabis and raids drop into my inbox. And every once in a while I post one. I don't post them all because I'm not that guy. But they come. And every week I get phone calls. I get reached out to on the website. I get people come to my house. I get everybody saying, I got busted. I know somebody that got busted. We got raided. This happened. That happened. Can you help? And I say, well, yeah, we can help. It's not necessarily what you think. It takes a lot of work to get help and to be helped, but we can help and we will help. We've been around now for 10 years helping people fight their case. What that means is that we can educate you and teach you what it takes to do that. We will hopefully have a local chapter, and today in this case that we're talking about, we do. So that's kind of cool. Hopefully we'll be able to watch that play out in the best possible way. We can share with you our thoughts about your case, uh, compare it to other cases we've supported, come up with a strategy, a battle plan, uh, if it ever does come to um, an important hearing or a trial, some of us will travel long distances to be there for you. <clears throat> and if we follow the guidelines that we've set with hundreds of court hearings as experienced to watch that they work or don't work, we can assure you that some positive will come out of it because it always does if we do it right. If we plan it, if we organize it, if we put the thought and effort required into it, it will always have a positive effect. In my case, it was all the difference in the world. I do not have a criminal record today in no small part because of all the people that came and supported, because of the human solution, because of this solidarity ribbon, because of tireless effort by a lot of people. And ultimately, we got the justice that was deserved. <laughs> So this week I got a call that said uh, from a, a 
friend, from somebody who actually I can say was there for me in my time of need um, during my entire case <clears throat> that lasted four years. She was there for more often than not during my whole trial, reporting on it, writing on it, supporting, organize, helping me organize, being there to rally and protest and support and just everything I would ever want in a supporter. And uh, her name's Cynthia, and I'm pleased and proud to call her my friend. And I can say honestly that uh, she was there when I needed her. And thus, when she called upon me, I'm also here, as is the organization that we have. So she was working with a dispensary up in the Bakersfield area, Central Valley, and um, there were four raids earlier in the week. And so uh, she's got Steve, one of the uh, participants in this mayhem, and uh, we're going to bring them up first on the show and see what's happening and uh, see if we can't organize uh, a plan of action. And I have my Central California Rock and Fire chapter are supposed to be joining us as well. And we're going to hopefully uh, get everybody on the line at the same time. And we'll be able to coordinate, introduce, and um, get some boots on the ground, as the case may be. As Cynthia said, let's get the band back together. Here we are, Cynthia and Steve. Welcome to the show. How are you all doing today? Thanks. We're doing pretty good, considering. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, I, I'm assuming you're both above above ground, breathing, and currently out of custody. Is that true? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> All right. Well, that's how we like to stay. <laughs> and uh, so, so uh, Steve, why don't you uh, tell me in your own words what, what happened here? Well, uh, it was... Um, Eight o'clock sharp on um, Friday morning, and there was about nine police vehicles of assorted kinds out front with their little SWAT tactical unit. Uh, They had the one um, person that helps me here once in a while. They had him at the end of their AR-16. And then they, uh, I just opened the door, and then they took me and put me out front, and then they came in with all their... uh, friends and they just rounded up everything that was here and chopped down the few plants that I had um, and uh, took us to jail and they charged us with a couple felonies, a couple misdemeanors. I had to uh, spend about three grand to bail out. My bail was 30 and then uh, I got to hire the lawyer. I've already hired him. That's another like 5,000. So um, and then I have a uh, the guy that my friend that was here, you know, just out of kind of a coincidence. I have to take care of his stuff too, so it's, and he definitely can't afford to defend himself. And he if he wasn't if I wasn't the one that he was helping out, he'd still be sitting in jail. Like there's actually uh, several other people that are still sitting in there from these raids that they're uh, the person that they were helping out didn't uh, take care of them. Yeah, that's that's rough. That's uh, you know when they hit me, I think they they raided 21 places altogether, and they raided all of our houses, and they raided other places of business. I mean, they were they they thought we were the El Chapo gang, 
and uh, they took everybody in, and I don't know, I think, yeah, there was over 20 people that were taken into custody when I did it, um, and uh, I, I understand the, the the gravity of the situation. So um, have you already been to court and been charged, or did they just let you out and have given you a court date, or what? what's the status? Yeah, I have a court date for um, the 13th, February 13th, which is next Thursday, um, for my arraignment. And then uh, it'll just uh, we'll we'll of course plead not guilty, and then we'll um, we'll just have to start from there. Fortunately, the 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 guy that I've hired to represent me, he's uh, got a lot of experience dealing with Kern County already. So I'm hoping that will uh, help. Um, us have a little better advantage. It would be somebody that knows actually what they're talking about. Well, the good news is, the only good news about all of this stuff is the new law is supposed to limit the exposure that you have, at least in some degree. Um, and I know when, when they hit me, I was facing, oh, geez, over 20 felonies or something like that. And you know they were they were trying to lock me up for 12 years on a first-time offense in a state case, and um, they were serious about it. So I think that the good news is you're starting just just with the fact that your bail was only 30,000. I mean they had me at a 150,000 to start with, and then uh, ultimately it was they bumped it up to a quarter million. So um, that's one indicator that we have that says you know they're not. Um, they're they're not hot and heavy on you. They're doing something, but we don't know what they're you know what they're uh, what what started all this or where where it all came from. Have you had a chance to see the complaint or what caused the warrant to be issued? Um, just that they uh, had um, people uh, coming in and people watching everybody, and um, that gave them the the probable cause for the judge to issue the search warrant, and they would just execute the search warrant. So they sent in undercovers? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what so, they did to me too. But there was something that told them that you were there and needed to be have undercovers sent in. I mean, there was something that instigated it, and you'll find that out once they give you discovery and all that. Um, so I guess my question is, um, well, I have a lot of questions, as you'll find out. But as you're going through this, have you ever been through a, a case like this before or any kind of a court case? Yeah, I've been through a few court cases. So Okay, so I, you're, I, you're I, familiar I, with I kinda, Yeah, I understand what that <laughs> you're, you're familiar with the procedure and you know where you're standing. Are you planning to fight the case or you're thinking about just pleading it down and making it go away? No, we'll we'll fight the case. The, the trigger. Excellent. You want to know what triggered? This is what triggered all of this. When uh, all of these shops, the county put us on this list and had us all explain to them, pull our pants down and show them everything we got. And then hopefully they were going to issue us this license if we complied with all their stuff. And then when you get to the end of the road where you complied with all their stuff, they say, oh, we can't do that because if we did that, then you'd be legal. And then we'd have to legally let you operate, but you can't do that because it's illegal here in the county. So they have everybody's oh, yeah. information. They know where everybody's already at. 
who owns them, who everything. So it was really simple for them to get all this information to, to put this together to do this. Because I don't see them raiding any shops that weren't on this list that the county had. Whack-a-mole, yeah, again. Well, and it's not the yeah. first time they've done that. They've done the same thing in San Bernardino, and they've done the same thing in Riverside, and they've done the same thing. It's a, you know, it's a tactic that they use, and we fall for it every time because we think in our effort to do things correct and right and be blessed by the by the local government, because that's what anybody wants, right? Um, we sure. will do what you want us to do. You know, we're trying to we're trying to be the good guy here. But um, I've seen it. You know, this isn't the first time I've seen them do that. And I, I frankly, I don't know. You know, I don't I don't have an answer because if you if you don't participate, then you know the chances are they know who you are anyways. And if you do, obviously you're just setting them up, giving them everything they need. Um, so the next question is. If you've been through court before, have you ever organized or 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 seen a case happen where there were supporters in the courtroom for the defendants and and they were operating in an orderly, respectable, correct way? Have you ever been in a courtroom where they did that? No, I have. I've seen it happen on television, but I've never seen it happen in real life. Okay. Well, Cynthia has, and she's been there, not just in my case, but in a number of cases. And if done right, and if done correctly and well, it can have a significant impact on the on the entire uh, situation, and from from the attorneys to the prosecutors to everybody, because they're not used to um, prosecuting a case where the community is standing behind the defendant because generally it's the other way around. Generally people are in there to, to watch somebody get hanged. And it changes the dynamic of things. And, and obviously um, our goal as a nonprofit human rights organization is to help you in whatever way you want. We're not here to tell you what, you know, what to do or anything, but we're going to um, offer our, our support um, in your courtroom and offer to help you know, to, to help assist you with, with the experience we have if you want it. Um, I have on the line right now uh, my chapter coordinators of my Central California chapter, uh, Scott and Nikki, and uh, I'm going to bring them on the air real quick um, to introduce themselves. Um, but I guess my question would be, are you interested in having us come out and, um, you know, helping to organize support in your courtroom when you when you have hearings and you know, hopefully not a trial, but if it ever came down to that. Yeah, that's not a problem for me because I'm not worried about what the public's perception of me is going to be. And I think in order for uh, the people in Kern County to really take it serious, is somebody actually does need to um, be willing to step up and be able to uh, speak about what's going on with the county and what the ramifications of their actions are to people that they don't, they uh, choose not to um, see or choose not to uh, let them have a voice in their own care. So, yeah, I think uh, that would be a really good, helpful thing for me. Excellent. So um, the next thing is, do you have, um, you, you didn't lose access to your clients, to your, you know, to, to, 
to the patrons of your shop, right? I mean, you still can reach out to them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, I've had several of them so, call in uh, with concern. Good, good. So in my opinion, you know, the thing of it is, is what I what we're offering isn't a magic button that magically brings people from all over the world to come into your courtroom, but what it does is it offers a, a plan of people who have organized these things, and, and if need be and, and, and a critical date comes, there are people that will travel a distance if needed. But the most important thing really to do is to gather the local community support that you're already tied to. That's one of the things that, you know, at one point you may need to call some of them as witnesses. Um, but when I went through my case, that was the first thing I was given instruction to do is to reach out to everybody that's near me, see who's in, who's going to help, who's willing to, uh, who's willing to come to court if need be, just to be there, not to do anything, but just to be there. And if you're willing to, that would be, in my opinion, the, the, the strongest card you can play right now. Uh, obviously, you know, getting a good lawyer is super important and, and, and communicating with them and, and having a plan, but also getting um, a community ready to support um, would certainly be something that I would highly recommend. And, and uh, if you're able to do that, that'd be great. Um, I've got Nikki and Scott here, and I'm going to put them on the line. Now, Nikki and Scott are up out of Fresno area, and they run our Central California chapter. And one of the things that we do is, you know, help to coordinate um, support in the courtrooms. And uh, one of the things that we do is, um, you know, I, I'm going to have to uh, upend this for a second, put you guys on hold. I've got Craig Cecil calling from federal prison right now. And he, he takes up his 15 minutes, but I'm going to keep you guys on the line. You guys, um, I just don't have any way to not take this call. So just hang tight. Hang up to decline the call or to accept dial 5 now. If you wish to block any future. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Hello from Terre Haute, Indiana. I did. I did get a, uh, some good news in the last couple of days. Oh, good, good. Tell me about it. Well, as you know, I've been worried about since they're holding all my legal papers, so I can't complain about the officer beating on me. It's also keeping me from being able to fight you uh, under some new laws to get my sentence reduced. But I just got an order from the court this week that they called and the the prison actually verified what they were doing. The court is really angry. And they're going to put everything on hold until I, my access to the court is restored. So I'm real well, happy about wonderful, that. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, that's fantastic. So, Craig, I want you to um, introduce yourself. I've got um, a couple of guests on the line right now with me. That One of them, her name's Cynthia, and she was there during my trial, during the entirety of my, uh, of my case when it went on. And the other's name is Steve, and he was just recently raided in California where we have, you know, legalization and all. And um, if you could just quickly introduce yourself to Steve because we're organizing support for him right now. Oh, cool. Well, my background is, is in 2002, I was uh, the owner of a truck repair business outside of Chicago. They arrested me because they said a truck, uh, not even a truck that I repaired, but a truck operated by a company that I did work for, hauled marijuana from from uh, Mexico to Georgia. 
They arrested me for conspiring to help them with their marijuana venture. They convicted me of conspiracy to distribute marijuana and gave me a sentence of life without the possibility of parole. So here I am in federal prison. I'm in uh, uh, FCI Terre Haute right now in Indiana. What's your case made up of? Well, uh, his case, he's not live right now, but his case, he had a, a dispensary in California and with our laws, it's it's still really screwy. The the county that he was in had basically set a trap, and they they had laid out a groundwork for an approval process to be uh, licensed. And so he was compliant under our old laws and went through the all the hoops that they gave him. And then at the end of it, they says, "Oh, never mind. We can't give you that license." And then shortly after that. Um, four shops last week got raided, and he was one of them, and there's probably more coming. So we're organizing support for this case. Now, one thing that I, I've been saying, and as you know, I read the Wall Street Journal every day, and I'm, I'm kind of a news junkie. And one thing that I have been seeing is, is uh, a bunch of complaining, basically, from uh, marijuana businesses, especially big money marijuana businesses, these nationwide ones, claiming that all these problems with marijuana, like the vaping problems and you know health problems and driving problems, that uh, all the illegal marijuana distributors are to blame for that. And yeah. It, it sounds like it sounds like the the big money marijuana dealers in his area are probably behind, you know, the, the enforcement on him and, and the, the difficulty in him being, becoming somebody's competitor. Well, there's two things that happen there. In, in California, the the law is a state law, but it's only allowed if it's supported by local jurisdictions. So there are cities and counties that do not allow any dispensaries whatsoever. And then there's others that do in a limited scope. So um, the, the, you're right. What happens a lot of times is when a city or a county does allow a license, those licensed dispensaries will turn around and rat on the unlicensed dispensaries because of the severe comp competition that they see them as. And it's, it's, you know, once again, the reason that we're doing our walk for change because the laws that we're passing are just, it, they're not sufficient. None of them are. If they were, everybody would be happy, but nobody's happy. The, the people that can't get a license aren't happy. The people that have a license aren't happy. The customers aren't happy. The growers aren't happy. There's not a single individual that's connected to the new licenses in California that I've ever heard of or came upon that was happy about it. It's just, it, it, we just did a horrible job, and, and every state that's passed a, a legalization measure has failed miserably and has has created more crimes than was there before they had passed that law. Now, one thing I also noticed in the reporting is I see a lot of reporting where the headline reads that marijuana arrests are, uh, you know, significantly reduced. But what I found is if you really look into the numbers behind that, of course the minor possession arrests have pretty much went away in states like California and Illinois, Washington with recreational marijuana, but it seems as though the number of marijuana distribution charges in many cases are going up. Yeah, that's the Trojan horse. 
that's what, what some of us all along have been saying, and unfortunately the, the masses fall for it. You know, they talk about mass expungements, and they talk about mass, uh, you know, uh, uh, numbers going down, and, and we're going to let all these people out. And then what they don't tell you, or they do tell you at the end of it, but nobody listens, is for simple possession charges. And, yeah, you're right. You know, in California, more than 10 years ago, they made possession of less than an ounce um, less like a traffic ticket, like a parking ticket. But nobody gets busted for possession of less than an ounce. If they catch you with an ounce of pot, they're going to say, you got an ounce of pot, you're going to sell it. And so we're going to bust you with possession with intent to sell. That is another story entirely, and that's unfortunately been my experience. I've never seen anybody really get busted for possession, not even not even a long time ago. But you know, it is what it is. I'm a white man, and I don't I I haven't been subject to some of the horrors that some other folks have been getting pulled over and and busted for simple possession just uh, just for being of a different persuasion. So. Um, is it's 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 really messed up, and people aren't aren't seeing the messed upness about it. Oh, I I agree that sometimes there's a there's a hello. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. The phone just really changed on me. No, but, uh, I agree. In some areas, they use. Uh, you know, you, it looked like you were smoking. It might have been smoking marijuana. That's why we pulled you over and all that. <laughs> I think more and more the, the courts are finally starting to to shut that off, saying that since smoking small amounts of marijuana is legal, you know, it's not probable cause to pull somebody over. You know, you can't say it's looking like they're committing a crime. Well, the problem is still they know that even if they don't get a, a, a conviction on you, they still disrupt your life significantly simply by pulling you over and arresting you. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a punishment by the process in many cases. And, you know, some people can't get bailed out. You know, there's some people that get pulled over on a minor offense and they end up having to spend three days or a week in, in jail for nothing other than the fact that they got hit on this minor offense and charges don't even always get filed. So it's, a, it's, it's still a mess. You know, one of the things we've talked about, Oh, I want to ask you, are you working with a group called Last Prisoner Standing? What, what is their name? Last, Last Prisoner Standing? Last Prisoner Standing, a woman named Sarah? Yes, and Didi, of course. Yeah, good, <laughs> the good. Infamous Didi, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. No, I, I, just, I just made contact with Sarah a week or so ago, and we're going to start working together. So I just wanted you to know that. Thank you, thank you, and it sounds like they have some connections to Star Power, which could be a, a big asset to the movement. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, and I also wanted you to know, in our Walk for Change, uh, we've gone ahead and gotten a sponsor that um, has hired a media company to help us with our messaging and reaching out to um, sponsors and uh uh, organizing events and things like that. So it's it's about to flip a major switch in our reach and our ability to um, to organize this thing. So I think you're going to be hearing some big, big and bigger news as the days and weeks go by. Fantastic, fantastic. Because the more 
more people that become aware of, you know, just the plight of so many people. Like like you say, these people with an ounce or two of marijuana, and they're they're getting arrested as, you know, as, as some sort of Mexican cartel leader. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the federal system, they're going to be sentenced that way. You know, I see people in here, some of them, with as little as five grams of crack cocaine, and they're serving 25-year sentences. It's insane. But, you know, a rapist only gets uh, two years in prison. Well, you know, um, the last time we talked a few weeks ago, I told you about a guy by the name of Danny Trevino, and he was to be sentenced in federal court. Well, he got sentenced, and he picked up 15 years. On, on on his charges And he was found to be Legal under the state laws And the feds came and Convicted him Gave him 15 years So that that just happened last week And how much uh, marijuana was involved in that case Do you know? Uh, you know it, 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 He had a dispensary and a grow And different things But he was compliant under the state laws in Michigan And The the, the the state lost the case and then the feds picked it up and they they you know they did what they do. And as you know, uh, your uh, your neighbor there, <laughs> Representative Rohrbacher, managed to get the Rohrbacher Amendment uh, passed, which says that they're really not supposed to spend federal monies to prosecute somebody that's legal under state marijuana law. Yeah, it's a funny thing. You know, people believe that when something happens that allows for something or is supposed to not allow for something, that they don't realize that people in power have their way around and through and over um, when they see fit. And I said all along that that, as, as much as it's a good start, and it certainly has, it, it was it was a win However, I knew as it was happening that it wasn't going to be enough, and the feds, when they want to, they just simply go around it, and they, they, they find some way to say, well, this didn't, this didn't apply here, and hopefully, you know, he'll have an appeal that will take that into consideration, and it's entirely possible that an appellate court could, could overturn this, but... You know, the odds are generally... I, I, I can only hope. Yeah, yeah. And and it happened in, um, uh, you know, the Kettle Falls case. Um, they ended up winning on the appeal, and they ended up, um, you know, they ended up not having to do time. So, at and the, at the I, end... I have good news. There's a, a person that was arrested with 145 kilos of marijuana in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. But when they came time to sentence him, they, they found some some snitches they never identified that said he had been dealing a bunch of kilos of methamphetamine in the past. So they ended up giving him an 18-year sentence based on the amount of methamphetamine. But I'm happy to tell you that I wrote his appeal, and just last week it won. He's going back to get resentenced. Woo! I would all that methamphetamine ended it. So wow. I'm really proud of that one. Awesome. <laughs> Good job. Good job. You know, it, it, now I have to do that for myself. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Well, we're still working on it, and you know how it is. You know, getting lawyers to help you out for free is is always the easiest thing to do. And um, you know, they say they're going to do something, and then they don't, or they uh, 
they, they, they keep wanting more, and you know we're still working on it. Though we haven't, we haven't, we haven't stopped. It just hasn't moved forward the way I had hoped. Now, one piece of, I can give you a little piece of prison news. Is about a week and a half ago they busted the third staffer in the last year. They busted a woman for bringing in uh, contraband to inmates and being paid a bunch of in, paid a bunch of money for it. Well, they they put us on lockdown for three days last week, which is why I couldn't call in to you. Right. And now they're they're blocking us from receiving most of our mail. They've rejected my mail because they used an address label because they think it was wet at one time because of this and that. All angry at us because their staffer got busted for bringing in the the drugs and contraband. But in reality, that they're punishing us somehow. We're the problem. Wow. Well, there's your second beep, Craig. You're going to get cut off any second here. Yes, well, thank you for, for keeping the eyes of uh, of your listeners and and, uh, and everybody else that your public uh, relations people are reaching out to. You know, thank you for shining a light on us so that we may see the light of day on the other side of the fence someday, too. Well, you know, we're not going to stop until we're done. That's... Uh... That's the way. That's the way it is. We're 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 gonna. You and I are gonna go fishing one day. That's all I can say. And Craig gets cut off. Well, actually, today was good. He actually got to finish his thought. And uh, a lot of times, you know, that 15 minutes comes and goes, and uh, boom, it's uh, it's over. So, anyways, we're gonna get back to our call. We got Nikki and Scott. Cynthia and Steve, and uh, we'll continue this introduction. I think we lost our screener, so we're in the Wild West now. All right, Cynthia and Steve, you're back on, and I want to introduce you to Nikki and Scott, our Central California Rock and Fire chapter of the Human Solution International. Howdy. Howdy. Hello. Hello. Are we all doing? Are we on? <laughs> yes, you're on. on. Okay, how are you? Um, yeah, so we're going to be here for you. Whatever you need, we'll be there on the 13th. If you need to collab with us before then um, to get together and maybe go over a plan, we're here for you. Just let us know, and we can set up a time to do that as well. Okay, great. So, Thank um, you. What's your phone number? Yeah, it's 559-356-0358. Terms of court date. Got it. And yeah, just give us a call anytime, and we can go over a plan of action. We'll bring ribbons for everybody to wear. Um, whatever, whatever, whatever's needed. And then, um, Cynthia, if you could, um, or or Scott or Nikki, actually, maybe you guys could take care of it. The the Human Solution Calendar Court Calendar um, has, mm-hmm. is now easy to add an event. So if you could um, go into the calendar and, and add the court date on there so that everybody um, who happens okay. into the website can at least know when and where it is. And, you know, just know that an arraignment usually happens very quickly, but most importantly is you guys will get a chance to meet each other and, um, yeah. you know, begin to, uh, you know, talk about a, a, a strategy. And if, while you guys are there, um, you guys are, are talking and you got some questions or whatnot, feel free to give me a call and um I'm I'm glad to glad to help out as it's moving along. Sounds good. Sounds good. 
Awesome. Thank All right. You. Well, um, Steve, you guys have any questions or, um, you know, this is kind of the first step, obviously. And Steve, if you've been through this before, you know, you know, this can go on for a long time or it could get over quickly. It just depends on, you know, your attorney and the and the status of the court and what what their general plan is to begin with. You know, it's hard to say. Um, in in some cases, it's real personal. In other cases, they're just passing through doing their deal. So. Um, you'll you'll learn more quickly as you get your discovery and all of the uh, find out about you know the complaint and all of that. I have a question for you, Joe. If you have any like statistics on the difference between what what product is seized and what the street value is that they report in the paper, it it, it looks is there like a a, a, a thumbnail or or a a guidance. How much do they multiply the real street value by? Um, I mean, it varies a lot. I've seen them multiply it by twenty, thirty times before, and I've also seen, you know, them just guessing at it and be all over the place. So it, it would, you know, that one of the things that's important in in organizing your defense is having witnesses to obviously testify to whatever it is your your defense is but the second thing is is to get experts uh, to testify if I've sat in trials all over the country and I listen to the government's expert witnesses and they're generally you know law enforcement officers who have very specific training to find certain things in a certain way but in no way shape or form are they qualified to testify on the legitimacy, the value, the the actual weight or the potency of anything. You know, they, they, they test for the presence of and they test, they weigh the whole thing, dirt and all, most of the time. And that's, um, you know, what we're up against. So if we can, if we can get qualified experts to come in, um, and even if they're not, even if they haven't ever testified, but they have, more than a lay person's expertise in a field, it's entirely likely that they will get qualified if we if we bring them in. So that's just one of the things that we need to remember in in setting up our case is is bringing in expert witnesses to validate the truth because their expert witnesses are going to be full of shit. Huh. So, but again, as 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 this thing moves along. And you get more information about what they're what they're claiming. Um, we can yeah. we can work together. I've been qualified to testify in a number of cases on a number of subjects, and and I have a number of people also that have done the same. So if it turns out that their case is hinging on a on a specific point that we can um, you know undo, um, that's when this kind of thing can really have a a big value. So. You know, we'll see as it moves along, as, as as we're going forward, what kind of support we can bring to this. Yeah, awesome. Well, cool. it's good to meet All you, right, guys. Nikki. Yes, and we look forward to meeting you. Like I said, if you want to talk to us uh, beforehand, don't hesitate to give us a call. I always answer. <laughs> We'll definitely do that. And Thank thanks. you. Thank you very much. Thanks for all you do. You guys are welcome. You're welcome. And we'll be there. And we will show up. Bye for now. All right. Bye-bye.
Everybody that's here, thank you for being here, and um, we're going to continue marching along. All right, we got a lot of guests on the line, and um, I still got a lot to talk about. So um, I see George Marcherano's on the line, and I just happen to know his number. So um, we're going to bring up George right now and uh, see what he has to say. You know, Craig Cecil is currently serving life. George Marcherano was serving life, but he's not in prison anymore. In fact, he's been out for a few years, and he's making the world a better place. George, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, hi, my friend. Hi, my, my brother out there in California, and Liz, and everybody, and D.D. Kirkwood, and Kathy. Love you all, but uh, this is a very proud day today. Uh, I want to announce that, uh, you know, I have a, uh, I, uh, my Develop the strain under the Grow Father, the Grow Father, and uh, <laughs> I am the Grow Father. I love it. And uh, we have uh, uh, flour in my store now. Right now in my store, we had four cases of uh, the Grow Father flour delivered, a very good price and a great uh, twenty twenty three percent CBD. So right. you're not going to cheat. Any, right. You're not going to cheat anybody. So the Grow Father. And uh, when I get out there, Joe, we'll talk about that because anything I can, I do, you know, you do. So I'm just very proud of that, ladies and gentlemen. I, now I have my own strain. It's being grown. It's being a – but the most important thing is helping people. We had a, just about an hour ago, we had a, a gentleman uh, from, I don't know, anxiety, stress. He was shaking. He'd been shaking for a long time. And he took three – Three puffs on the grow father, and he stopped shaking. All Imagine right. that. And to see the smile yep. on his face was, was unbelievable. So, again, the, the industries, uh, I'm proud of what I'm doing, but it's about helping others first and making money second. I don't I don't get involved with those people that, that it's all about money. I won't do that. So when they share that with everybody, it's all, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you're talking to the grow father. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Oh, that's fantastic news. I'm I'm glad to see uh some of the things you've been working on for so long finally uh starting to come to life. It's exciting. Well when I when I well I like Joe right now as I'm talking to you, I'm creating many jobs. Just in my cafe yep. we have six people. Uh they all owe student loans and my networking back east I must be supporting about twenty people right now. So that, I'm really proud of that. I hope in two years, three years, I'm supporting two, three hundred people that have a life uh, from what I'm generating. So well, we have That's one fantastic. doctor working with us. With the, you know, we have events where they sign up the medical marijuana cards for a big discount. We get fifty percent off. And a nice young young doctor, we call a doctor Jenna. She owes five hundred thousand in student loans. She's trying to raise a family, but she's a believer. I won't get involved with people. She's a believer in the CBD industry and the hemp industry, but she owes a half a million dollars. So hopefully we can turn her life around. Well, you know, that's what community is all about. We all get working together, and people get good ideas, and they work together, and uh, that's, that's that's how we change the world. Yeah, and uh, I oh Joe, I, I entered the 
the Broad Street 10-mile race in May. I'm 70, I'm 70 years old. I'm going to do the 10-mile race, and my my uh, jogging suit's going to be the Grow Father. <laughs> you, might, you might see me on the news. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's all you know, in May, huh? That's it. That's important, ladies and gentlemen, that 32 years incarcerated, 32 plus years incarcerated, you cannot come with a, come out with a chip on your shoulder. You cannot come out bitter because that will just put you back or worse. So you have to come out, you have to laugh, and you have to continue with your life. Like if you help others, you'll have a life. So I'd like to give that message to all those people that are coming home from prison. Just come out, put the past behind you, come out and do positive things. Absolutely. Okay, Joe. Positive attitude makes all the difference in the world. Well, you know, that's right. the one thing that we control is, is how we think about things. And uh, you can have a good attitude, you can have a bad attitude, but you're the only one that can change it. Right, 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 right. All right. Thank you. Well, Absolutely. Always a pleasure. George Martirano, folks. Uh, All right. Thank you for having me on. Good night. Good night, Joe. Good night. You bet. All right. Thanks, George. All right. So I'm going to finish up my little spiel on court support. Then we got Glenn Keeling. We got Jeff Eichen. And uh, my guess is we'll have Tom Corby will pop in here sooner or later. Um, but we're – we're in the later yeah, part of the Yeah, Bland sitting in the waiting room as well. Oh, okay, cool. I should probably turn on all the rest of my stuff, huh? Let's go ahead and just oh, bring that up. might be a good idea. Let's, let's bring up Glenn for now. How about that? <laughs> Glenn Keeling, I don't see you anywhere, but I'm not sure. Oh, here we go. Manage participants. I see Dana, not Glenn. Yes? Yeah, that's what I said. Dana's in the waiting room. Oh, oh, I see. We're speaking different language. All right. Well, we got Dana Bland on the show, and then we'll bring in Glenn next. So Glenn is on the phone, and Dana is on the video. Dana, welcome to the show. You are live on the air. How are you doing today? Uh, there he is. You got to unmute yourself. Dana Bland, I see you. I cannot hear you. He doesn't have his mic on. Uh, going once. Turn your mic on, Dana. Going twice. All right, we'll come back to you. All right, so we'll try again in a minute. But just be ready to put your mic back on. Um, so we're going to get... Glenn Keeling up here real quick. Now, Glenn's been organizing support for his case um, for more than a year now, and I know that um, I know that it's a frustrating endeavor sometimes, and I know that there's a lot of people that have been working with you privately and a lot of people that are trying to help, um, but I know that you feel a lot of times you feel all alone when you're when you're trying to organize support and when what you do doesn't seem to be working and then and then we have this whole social media thing where people are 
trying to help, but sometimes they don't know how to help correctly. And so I just want to really, really sharpen the point here. So, you know, Glenn, um, first of all, welcome to the show. And I generally do a big fancy intro, but we're just going to jump right into it because we're getting real short on time again. And and I want to get to the meat and potatoes of this. Um, you and your wife are fighting a, a case, and you're facing prison time in Ohio, where what you were doing shouldn't have been a crime, but they're charging you with a crime anyways, as they're wont to do sometimes. And we're trying to organize support, and I say trying because it seems that we're failing. It doesn't seem that we got nearly the support that we should have, and that's why the only time I ever use that word trying is when we're not accomplishing it. And so we're working on a plan. We're working on a plan to change that. So it's my experience that when what I'm doing isn't working, then I decide I want to do something else, something different, something that I haven't done before. And I want to want to look at this because this is important. So we have thousands of people that at one point or another are going to hear this show. And some of those people either live in or around Ohio, and if they don't live in or around Ohio, they may know somebody who does. And this is what I'm going to do right now and see if we don't get some response. We need to reach people in Ohio to support this case. By support this case, I mean being willing to come out to a hearing and mind their manners and don't be stupid and don't bring pot into the courtroom, and don't dress up like a clown, and don't do anything disruptive, and don't wag fingers at judges, and just be supportive. Be quiet and attentive. Dress yourself up a bit. Comb your hair. uh, Take a shower. Put on a ribbon and be there. And if you're able to do that, get a hold of Glenn, and he's going to give you how to do that very shortly. The next thing I want to say is if you are connected in any way or know of a place where somebody could speak on a topic, and and what I did in California when I was going through this, I would go to any meeting I could go to that was in any way cannabis or freedom friendly, Um, and I'd be able to tell my story about what happened and how I sure could use some bodies to come into court with me. And... One by one, meeting after meeting, I'd I'd meet a few people and meet a few more people, and you get to know these people, and you let them get to know you, and all of a sudden you start to get to know them and everybody they know. And you do good old-fashioned down-home networking. It's a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. But it's what works works for me, and I know that it works again. So if you're listening to this show right now, or if you listen to it in the future, um, and you – know of any group that gathers anywhere near Ohio or you are willing to participate in attending a court hearing uh, in the way that I described, I want you to reach out to Glenn or myself. And um, my phone number is easily found, but I'll just throw it out there. It's 951-436-6312. And if you call me up or text me and say, I want to help Glenn, I will make sure that you get what you need. And by helping Glenn, it could mean you know of a group that cares about these kind of things, or it might mean um, that that you know of of, of an event that 
you might be able to speak at or somebody might be able to speak at or, or even a virtual situation. An opportunity to reach more people is what we need right now. Glenn, if, if somebody's listening to this show and they want to help you, how do they get a hold of you directly? Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really easy to get a hold of. My phone number is posted all over Facebook. But if it's not, you can hear me here, and it's 419-863-0498. Um, you know, yeah, great. It would be great for some core support, people to come out and rally. You know, let's let's get a booth set up somewhere, and let's, let's just have some hot dogs and hamburgers and some chips or something and just talk. I mean, that would be great. I mean, we've been... We've been at this 827 days now, uh, and that's not a joke. That's 827 days of going through the same dumbass case, you know, over nothing. We're, we're legal patients in a legal state. Uh, at least the judge sat up there on his, his, you know, in his chair and, and, and said that we were dual patients and we were within law. And he even said that we can use exactly what we're being charged with. So if that's interesting to you or if you want to know more about that, man, reach out to me on Facebook. I'm really easy. It's Glenn Keeling, or you can find me over at the Creative Care Beacon, which we are the Ohio chapter of the Human Solution International. Or, again, you can simply reach out and just give me a phone call. Man, I'm really easy. I answer my phone. It's 419-863-0498. You know, we're – we're patients, not criminals, and, and we deserve to have support and people standing there with us because they am sure that if you were going through this, Peggy and I would be right there beside you going through it. We've, we've done it, you know, for a very long time here in the state of Ohio, and it just kind of really saddens me how, uh, you, know, you know, Ohio is now. And, I mean, it just it's really it really sucks ass, honestly. I mean, there ain't no way around it. I mean, sitting there in court, you know, with – my wife supporting me and me support my wife is, is getting a little beyond the, we need people to come out really honest to God, body people to come out and seriously support something that it, if you were going through it, you'd want somebody to support you. Um, one more time, my number is real easy. It's 419-863-0498. Or you can catch me on Thursday night. I will be on the radio here at Canaviews. How do they get a hold of how do how do they uh get into your show there on Thursday? Tomorrow. Oh yeah, that's real easy. Uh if you want to be part of the show or if you just want to dial in and listen in, that's that number is five one six four one eight five five three nine. Awesome. All right, Glenn. Well, um uh, we're real low on time, so um I just wanna make sure that you get a a chance to to dig in and and uh, you know let everybody know it's it's important. One of the most important things that we can do is stand up and fight. And if we stand up and fight, if you see somebody willing to stand up and fight, it's equally as important to be willing to stand up with and for them. And you know, in my opinion, some of the most uh, uh, the people that will come out and support others are generally the people that have been through it themselves um, and are have been supported. So we got to pay it forward. I hope to God none of you that have never been busted ever find out what it's like to be busted. Um, but if it was to happen, you would certainly want there to be people there supporting you. So thank you so oh, much, yeah, Glenn, absolutely. and we will talk.
talk again tomorrow, I'm sure. Yes, sir, absolutely. Again, thank you for having me on. And, and I do greatly appreciate all the support that we have gotten up to this point. Don't get me wrong. I love everybody that has supported us, and it's awesome that we do have the support that we do have, and I thank everybody. Thank you again for having me on. Creative Care Beacon Chapter of the Human Solution in Ohio. All right. Now let's try Dana Bland one more time and see what happens here. Dana Bland, turn your mic on. Can you hear me? Dana Bland with no microphone. Dana Bland, I see you, but I cannot hear you. Can you hear me? Dana Bland. Yes, no? I don't think we're connecting. All right, well, we'll continue on. We'll try this again. Bobby, I don't know if you can talk to him um, separately. I'll text I, him. I can't hear anything, and I don't think he's talking. No, he doesn't have his mic on. He, he, uh, okay. I'll text him. All right, good enough. I will uh, sally forth over the muddy river. Here we go. Um, all right. So we got Frank Canan on the line. I don't know. I think I thought Bobby was going to be calling in today. I got Jeff Eichen on the line, and um, I want to finish up what I was going to talk about with court support, and I will limit the amount of stories because I'm already over time, and I have promised that I would keep my one-hour show to a one-hour show, which, of course, I'm lying yet again. I'm a lying liar who lies, as you can plainly see. Um, a couple of days ago, I did a little live stream because I was livid. I was shaken. I was torqued. I was upset in multiple ways because... We had somebody given advice that was detrimental, and the advice was that people should call a sitting judge and give them an opinion about a case that he was presiding over. And I want to just say this, okay, and I've already had my spiel about it, but imagine if you were in a trial, and the judge was presiding over your case, and somebody who didn't like you or wanted you to lose this case was calling that judge, saying that poor son of a friggin' whatever is guilty as fuck, and you better hang his ass because he's a menace to society. Would you want that judge to consider your thoughts, or would you want that judge to think you're a friggin' nut job, and clearly there's a problem on the other side, you know, justice is supposed to be justice, supposed to be blind, it's supposed to be the law as it's applied, and if there's going to be an influence, it should be on the people that are deciding your fate, which is the jury, and if the jury sees that there's community support as human beings, generally they recognize that that's not a usual thing and that there must be something that they're not understanding. And if we do our job correctly, they will understand what's going on, as it's happened so many times. The only time that we ever reach out to a judge directly is at a sentencing. And that means somebody's been convicted. 
and there's an opportunity for the community to write a character reference letter as we have done numerous times. And in that character reference letter, we can specifically request that the judge consider a leniency when calculating a sentence. And that's really it. So please, people don't know better. And if you're going to be on Facebook or any social media and encouraging people to do things, please make sure the things you're encouraging them to do are things that will be helpful. And please, if you're working on a case and you're asking for help and support, please talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about before you okay something. Please talk to somebody who has been through a trial or maybe many, many of them. There's lots of us who have done this. Please do that. I just, it would break my heart to see somebody end up in jail or prison because of a bonehead move like that. The second thing I want to say, I've seen posted in the past uh, something called an amicus brief, a friend of the court. Um, and remember, you can file anything you want with the court. You can file your lottery ticket with the court if you want, and they'll put a stamp on it and charge you 20 bucks. But if you're going to file a brief on behalf of a case, please consider what it is you're doing. And an amicus brief is considered a friend of the court, meaning I don't have a direct bearing on the outcome of this, but I have an interest in the case. And it affects not only me, but others in the community. And I have some kind of an influence. And here's what I think about it. And generally, this is going to be something that could be submitted in an appellate hearing or a Supreme Court hearing. And I think possibly in civil court there could be something like that, but I don't know about civil court. But I know absolutely in an appellate setting because I've written one. And in the Supreme Court, I know I've been party to ones that were written in the Supreme Court. So that's the application for an amicus brief. And if somebody's filing an amicus brief in a criminal case, they're wasting your time and making you look like a fool. So please, there isn't such a thing in criminal court. So that's the next thing. The next thing is the final, or not the final, i got one more thing. The next thing is the notion of expungement. We have a lot of people that are touting, you know, the, the virtues of expungement. Now, it's not bad. But just realize what expungement is supposed to do is put a blanket over your record. And it's supposed to allow you to be able to say no when the box comes up in an application, meaning a, a, a loan application, a rental application, a job application, and they have the box that says, have you been convicted of a felony? If your record has been expunged, you're supposed to be able to say no. Now, the truth is, if somebody's doing a deep search on you, they will see your record. Um, a general background search for most jobs probably won't come up. So just be mindful that if you get a rec your record expunged, it's not necessarily going to allow you to apply to the police force or the FBI or some major clearance type job, 
it's not going to it's not going to cover that up. Um, and there's plenty of cases where expunged uh, records have come up in very untimely ways and caused people a lot of grief. So just be mindful of the limitations to an expungement. And finally, you know, I'll tell you something, Joe, real quick on yeah. that too. Is there's, in high security matters, just the fact that you've been fingerprinted and processed interferes with your security clearances and, and availability. Yep. Yeah, your arrest record is never going away. So for those of us that have been arrested numerous times but not convicted because we've overturned everything, um, that arrest record's still there. If I get pulled over and I get run, they look at me and say, whoa, you've been in jail a lot of times. No convictions, but they know I've been arrested. So absolutely. So, yep, anything that happens is, is still there, and people, um, we get lulled into a sense of, of false security when, when there's claims of things like expungement. Just be mindful that, of what it is and what it's not. The next thing is, is attorneys. We get, we hire attorneys, and many people feel that the second they have an attorney, and it could be a court-appointed attorney, and it could be uh, a paid attorney. And for many people, this is a worldwide show. So for any of you who think in, I don't know, I think it's like 13 or 20 states, a court-appointed attorney, you still have to pay for. In some states, they, you don't have to pay for them, but... Um, and in some states, they have a, a qualifying poverty level that you could or could not have to pay for them. So the truth is, uh, when they say, if you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you, it doesn't mean that you won't have to pay him, number one. And number two, an attorney is there to provide counsel. An attorney is there to represent you in court because if you represent yourself, you better know the rules of court. Most people that represent themselves don't. So he works for you. Remember that. Now, somebody who works for you has a relationship with you. And it can be an adversarial relationship or it can be um, a friendly relationship. It can be a meaningful relationship or it can be a shallow relationship. But connect yourself with your attorney if you have one because that's your hope that he's going to do his job. And, and most attorneys, frankly, have the ability to do a good job. They pass law school. They pass the bar. 95% of the people out there in the world couldn't do that. So they do hold themselves. That's where their arrogance comes from because, frankly, they're better than most of us at some things. But that doesn't mean they're going to do their job well, and that doesn't mean they're going to give a rat's ass about your case, and it doesn't mean that they're not going to be lazy and, and do the least they can. But you have a relationship with that attorney and you have an obligation to protect your own freedom so you have a, a, a right and a responsibility to a vigorous defense. Remember that word, vigorous. That is a key word. You have a right to a vigorous defense. And if your lawyer's not giving you one, that's on you to figure that out long before you get into a trial. So just be mindful. I had a very close relationship with my attorney, with both of my attorneys. And frankly, my public defender, my second trial, almost went to blows with me because he wouldn't listen. And I ended up getting in his face and challenging him. 
And it came, I wrote an article about him and published it, and he was pissed. But it got his attention, and eventually he figured out that I was the real deal, and I was serious about him defending me and me defending my case. And at the end of the day, he was willing to step into the ring. But it wasn't just because I sat back and said, well, I have an attorney, so I should be all right. So have a meaningful relationship with your attorney and if you don't feel like something's working out, start documenting your communication because that's your hope. They have a thing called a Marsden where you can generally fire your counsel if he's an appointed attorney. Um, and if you're paying for a guy who's not taking care of you, that's on you. Sorry, you gotta you got to make sure that that's not happening. So um, talk to people who have been through it. Engage. Be part of this. Be active. People cannot care about you more than you care about yourself. And that's pretty much what I have on court support. We've talked about all the other points, and uh, it's possible I've missed something, but um, I've thought long and hard about all the things that I've been through, and I think that if you were to uh, listen and, and, and take heed of all the things that I've said, you're going to be tooled up for a vigorous defense. All right, uh, let's try Dana again. One more time. Dana Bland, are you there? Oh, no, we're looping. What's going on here? All right. I just muted Dana because we're looping. Now we'll try unmuting again. All right. Uh, nope. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's happening here. Let's try it one more time. Uh, not sure. Bobby, help. He needs to turn off his computer and just talk. It, it's, All right, well, we'll try again. I'm going to bring up Jeff Eichen for his 30 seconds in the, in the ring, and uh, – we're really running low on time. I'm now an hour and 15 minutes into an hour show. Jeff Eichen, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Jeff Eichen. Going once. Jeff Eichen going twice. Okay. Well, I did try. We got witnesses. All right, we're going to try Dana one more time. And, Dana, you got to turn your computer off or turn your phone off or something because we're looping. So we're going to try unmuting one final time, and then we're off to Tom Corby here. Uh, can you hear me? I got you now. All right. I can't see you, but I can hear you. Yeah, uh, the weather's too bad here for the video, so uh, we're just going to wing it without it, I guess. But All right. in Missouri... And, uh, things look like they might be trying to wind down with the new laws. And uh looks like all three cases I have, anyway, up north are going to resolve themselves here real shortly. And we have a really good cannabis lawyer up there in Kansas City that's helping out with some of these cases, which he did one of mine uh, yesterday. She took it. But uh, don't forget Jennifer Hess out there in Kansas. She's going to need people there for support. And I got one uh, going down to in Arkansas, and uh, hopefully we can, we're, we're starting to really see some things change. Well, um, what happened with Zachariah? Did his case get get resolved? 
his, his cases, uh, uh, we're going back uh, this coming month or the end of the month. I, I got to look at it again. Okay. But, uh, I, I, it's going to probably be ended that day because that the uh, the police the detective that was up there. I mean, he just broke every law in the book. You don't, you cannot use your wife against you, especially when she didn't do anything or even talk to the guy. And they, uh, I just, I mean, just outright lying going on in the courtroom. That's why it's so important that we are there for support because we are the witnesses for the people that are up there being convicted of stuff. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Well, uh, you know, it's 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 part the law. And it's part us demanding that our will be followed. And ultimately, we can get changes made. And it's good to hear that uh, the courts are starting to come around. Generally, what happens is when we win one case, prosecutors think twice about filing that same kind of case in that same courtroom. And... If we win two cases in that courtroom, oftentimes they stop filing those kind of cases at all. And I watched it happen. And even though there's no no precedent being set in a criminal court, um, there is, in a way, especially in the smaller courts, um, when there's a win in a particular way, prosecutors look twice and they all talk to each other. So when we show up and, and help to tip the balance and when people stand up and fight, um, and that's mostly what needs to happen, um, we have a chance to win, and when we have a chance to win, we do win. So um, that's that's a big part of this puzzle is standing in, fighting, and uh, supporting each other, and uh, watch what happens in the courts where that happens. So Dana, hope for change in the end of Prohibition chapter in Missouri, and you guys are doing a fantastic job. How does somebody get a hold of you if they want to get involved? Uh, it's been okay. We're change in prohibition, human solution, international chapter in Southwest Missouri, and most people just get a hold of me uh, through Facebook. I mean, I don't even have time to get on anything else but Facebook. As many people are on here. Contact him, and we can get a hold of you. You know, through the center, and get phone numbers and information. That it's been working pretty good that way. So we've had new cases come in, and we've almost got them taken care of almost right off the bat. And you know, we got lawyers that are willing to help. So it's been a real help. <laughs> excellent, excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, and I'm glad we uh, were able to finally talk. So. Um, Dana Bland, folks, hope for change in the end of Prohibition. All right, up next, we're going to try Jeff Eichen again. Uh, he heard me, but we couldn't hear him. That doesn't make for a radio show. So here we go, going once. Jeff Eichen, welcome back to the show. Can you hear me? Good afternoon. Yes, I can hear you. There you are. Okay. We're live. Hey. You got your 30 seconds of fame and glory. Go. Well, I wanted to tell everybody today that we did a walk today with the 
uh, Native American people in my town up in Washington State. We watched a movie for 18 minutes today about the travesty of the pipeline in Canada, and the elders were there from uh, from the tribal council here in Washington State, and it started to pour rain, and I had my cameras out, and I followed them with my car, and it was heart opening. It was a walk. We walked from the commons um, at the Rosewind Center in my in my town, all the way to Chase Bank, and then when the police got there, and the um, the the guy that was protecting the bank, um, so nobody could go in, um, the protesters stayed out, and we drummed for about 20 minutes while one of the elders went in and, and removed her money from the bank. So it was heart opening. And I'm really proud of us for organizing our walk and for simultaneously there are walks around the planet that are really changing and opening people's eyes and hearts. And um, my media today was really fun in the rain. I'm drenched right now. And so it's been chilly waiting for you, but um, I've got my soup and I'm, I'm so proud of all of you for organizing the walk for change in June, everybody, and that I'm part of that. And that's all I know. I'm just sharing that with you today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. And a lot of big news going to be revealed here in the next upcoming weeks. we got a lot of big things brewing, and uh, uh, they're just getting ready to pop. I've just connected up with uh, the Apache Nation, and we're going to be um, – we, we got a lot of big things happening right now. So stay tuned. Uh, uh, there's going to be – a lot of big news. All right, Jeff, I can folks, well, I the movie. Whoops, sorry, hold on, hold on, hold on. I almost shut you up. Go ahead, finish it up. I have one more thing to say, everybody, is that yeah. is that um, it's up to us to get louder. The dark is so loud right now. The media is dark, and that's what I've heard on other radio stations um, through the airwaves. And so the light, which we represent, uh, needs to get louder. So any way you can, by turning your music up in your car, in your home, and in the grocery store, by sharing the goodness and being graced yourself and staying healthy, everybody. So stay hydrated. Be prepared for the march um, in your own life. And um, we can get louder and drown out the dark. Good, uh, good advice. And, and you can find me, I knew you were going to possibly say that, at lifersthemovie.com with Tommy Chong. So um, I'm helping prisoners to come out, and I was really proud um, that uh, the Governor Gretchen uh, from Michigan got up last night and gave a brilliant speech. And so I think she is going to be really good to help Michael Thompson come home. I really liked her. I agree. I think uh, I think we're, we're almost there. So I'm looking forward to uh, hopping on that plane and heading to Michigan. And Pam Perret, I love you all, and member 321, and that's it, com. Love you all. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff Eichen. All right, we got Tom Corby to wrap it up here. We're, once again, a half an hour late, and uh, we just couldn't get enough. Tom Corby, you're here to close her down. Welcome to the show. Uh, I want to thank you, Joe and Lisa, Becca, and always – those on the front lines coming together coming together to end prohibition. Free all our POWs. That's our goal and vision. 
Uh, I'm here with my good friend Frank and Ann today, and Darius Suzanne. Hey, Joe, everybody at the Coffee Party Radio Show. How's it going? How's it going? Oh, you know, another day in the land of Oz. We just keep plugging away. <laughs> well, we're glad oh, you're yeah. still we're marching with us. we got a lot to do. That's for sure. That's right. Yeah, so when we talk about... <coughs> excuse me, I got a... <coughs> Got a frog in my throat. <clears throat> I think I got it. <clears throat> uh, when we talk about uh, court support, of course, Joe, when you talk about uh, we must have people that, that know what they're talking about when, we, when we're advocating. And and a lot of times in court support, it's not so important how many people are there. It's good to have a lot of people, but just to have the right people there that can guide the defendants and, and file the motions. When we talk about filing motions, we talk about our PDs and our attorneys. We must follow behind them and make sure they're doing their work. Uh, you can actually uh, go in and make sure that uh, your attorney has filed for the next for the next motion, uh, which is usually a 995 dismiss probable cause motions. Number one, always. Because you generally know probable cause, and when you—that's the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, and of course, for it also, we have uh, address and code of conduct. Uh, when we're in there, we're not supposed to be talking. So I always say, have a pad and be be writing. I think it's so important because not only are you going to write down what I what, what we can put out there, but they're going to be wondering what you're writing. Uh, with uh, Glenn Keeling and their case, I could see is going away. I, I said as long as you keep it going on, it finally goes away. Uh, I don't know if, they, if they've filed their their uh, speedy trial, their 45-day time waiver. Uh, once you file that 45-day time waiver, waiver, they must take you to trial within 45 days. That's that's the crux of it all, folks. Trial. You always take them on to trial. Uh, you throw everything at them. All your, get all your discovery. Uh, also, uh, when we talk about expungement, that's just another way to screw you. Uh, my good friend, Toby Williams, uh, I talked about him before. Uh, he's helped us so much. When we got out of jail, Don and I, after four days, he came with a big white pad, and on there he had big letters, discovery. He said, on your police report, and that's the first discovery, you're going to find that most of it's BS. And at one point, they're going to throw all this out at you, and you're going to finally find most of it's going to go away because you're going to prove the facts. So be careful what you say about your case or anybody other's case uh, about any charges or anything until you read your police report. Now, I don't know how many times I've, I've had people, uh, defendants, tell me, oh, one, one of them uh, recently you posted uh, to Bart Seven. Uh, I asked how many plants he had. He said, I think about 150. I said, oh, my God. So I read the police report. I said, I said, Bart, I said, you only had 89 plants. So you're under the, you're on the 99 
Eddie Lepp, plant rule. That's how we won won the case with Joseph Tully. He's the, the number one when we come. When we, if uh, oh, I, I, from there, I want to say that you when if you get blessed, you really don't need to hire an attorney yet. Joe knows as well as I do that you can use your PD and you can make him do what you want him to do. And if he's not doing it, you can be nice, like you said. You can recuse him or fire him. And you can recuse him three three PDs, by the way, and they must assign you another PD. So, uh, if you have good people that are coming, like Joe, and people that are knowledgeable, Frank Canan. Now, once you go through a case, a lot of people don't really come and don't realize until they've been busted. Uh, Jackie just found that out uh, that, that you just don't realize what you're going through. So uh, what we want to think about is always dismissal from the very first, big letters dismissal. And uh, I understand now that, that uh, uh, one of my our cases up here, uh, attorney told me uh, that once, once a, a defendant uh, like Donna or anybody else completes their probation, pays all their fines that their case should be, and, and he said will automatically be dismissed. It's so important, as Joe brought out, that you want to clean your record up and make damn sure that there's a dismissal there and not an expungement. You can start there, but you want to take it on to the end. Even if you have to go back to another hearing to have your records cleared, that's so important. Anytime you get pulled over, if you go back to court, they're going to throw it at you. So, yes, that's so important. Uh, and, and, and that's the point that you brought out. If you stand your ground and and, and take them on and take the fight on, uh, you back them down in there, and they finally realize that that uh, they're wasting your time and theirs. They got e- they got easier fish to fry, and they have people that are really committing crimes. That's a good point up here in Butte County. Joe knows well in the last ten years since we got busted and joined the Human Solution, how we backed them down here in Butte County. I used to spend uh, at least half my life in those courtrooms and trials. Now, and my calendar was always full. And now I'm down to simplifying my life, and I appreciate that. Not that we won't still come if we can, and that's what we do. We stand our ground, and we come for others, and then they'll come for you. I want to thank again all today in the Coffee Party Radio Show for another historical show. And as Donna always says, don't forget to breathe. Thank you all today. Good advice. Thank you, Tom. All right, folks, it's been another uh, cool show. Um, Hopefully you guys found it enjoyable and informative, and uh, we're going to do it again next week. We're going to begin getting into some interviews again. Uh, I just really thought that it was important to get deep into court support. We have a lot of people uh, that are involved in court support, and there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And most importantly, we need our defendants out there on the front line fighting for their freedom in every possible way. Um, and social media is one piece of that. But we got to get out there. We got to get out there, and we got to be the voice 
And uh, if you have that fire in your belly, I just go back and I think about what I did when I was fighting my case for six years. And every single day I woke up and I went at it as hard as I could. And there was nothing going to slow me down. There was nothing going to stop me. And out of that, I was able to rally the support I needed. And even through everything, I did everything I could think of. I started out and had probably a 1,000 supporters. And by the end of it, I had a handful because people don't have the same interest in this as you do. People don't, as much as they say they do, as much as you would wish they would, they don't care about you as much as you want them to. It's just the way it is. A handful of them might, but we have to overcompensate. We have to get 10 people for every one person that you think is going to show up. And if you can do that, then you'll be successful. It's a human nature thing. People will do what they want to do. You want to have a concert, you'll get 100,000 people there. You want to have a party, you'll have 80,000 people there. You want to give away free pot, you'll have some people show up. But if you want to get some people to come to court for you, it's a lot of work. It takes uh, a deep engagement on a level that a lot of people don't seem to have. So get out there and fight for yourself so that we'll want to fight for you. Um, be there for each other. Be good to each other. That's what this is all about. Let's make the world a better place, and we'll see you all next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always...